Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello, and welcome again, once again, to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast, which is, and I want to say this is an exclusive thing, the only rugby podcast where, just before they start recording, their fire alarm, their smoke alarm start beeping about once a minute, so you'll be able to hear, you may hear it in the background, and it's going to drive you all insane. My name, as ever, is Robbie Owen, but if you want to call me Squid, feel, feel, feel free, there it is, there's our extra guest, my fire alarm, and joining me today, as ever, we have... Mildly less annoying than your fire alarm is Will Owen. And from the terrifically underrated dummy runner on Twitter, we have... Oh, the far more annoying Adam Jenkins. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's for people to decide. That's I feel like I am safely the most annoying person in this room. Because I'm the only person in this room, because we're recording this remotely. I am proving my own point. The idea with the podcast is we're going to run through... There it is again. There, Can you hear it? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. It's not that bad. Fine. The idea of the podcast is we're running through every game in the 2011 Rugby World Cup. And today we're on to an absolute classic. Ireland 22, the United States of America 10. I will begin by saying to Adam, sorry for this being the game you are handed. I mean, no, it's it's all right because just despite the sort of objective quality of the game, it was quite a good personal thing for me because 2011 was the tournament that brought me into rugby, mm. and you know, ever the sort of guy who likes an underdog, you know, USA, that kind of team that they 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 sort of caught my heart in in 2011 as well. So it's sort of like getting to see those players again, yeah, playing was 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 really nice. You know, as I've got here written down, Paul Emmerich, just in capital letters, you know, great, massive fan of him. Really great to see him just sort of thundering through everything. Yeah. You are, of course, also on as our official Blaine Scully correspondent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to explain, do you want to expand on that? Well, you know, I, he, 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 he signed for the Cardiff Blues a few years ago and you know, he's, he's, he's not a bad looking guy. Like, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> and I, I also have had the, the opportunity to actually interview him in person as well. And it's one of those feelings, you know, like, you know, at some points in the Bible when it says, if you look at the true <laughs> face of God, you'll, you, you just melt and you can't comprehend it. It's quite, you know, it's like a biblical Lovecraftian psychological experience meeting him because he's just so perfect in every way <laughs> that your mind like sort of struggles to comprehend it so seeing him in what i thought was you know a second or third cap maybe i think this game mm. he'd only just you know started playing for the eagles it was an honor to be able to, to see this it is funny isn't it it's like when you when you look at kind of documentaries of gold forming in the mold of it kind of melted down and it's it's kind of like that, this very young Blaine Scully, who isn't fresh faced so much as like he's almost still got spots, and you can kind of see it. He kind of looks a bit like a teenager, and he looks, he looks like he's still growing into his face in that way. As you say he's a, he was a very attractive man, it is, but he was kind of growing into it during this game. I I I sort of think of it more as like um, Michelangelo's David, but freshly chiselled. You know, hasn't 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 had the years a bit a bit of a bit of kind of the the rare the the wear and and scars you'd you'd kind of expect to see. Mm. You know, just the the freshly chiselled marble of of Blaine Scully. If that's Blaine Scully, what's that make Tommy Bow? Ooh, apparently a yeah a a, a bumbling idiot. If you watch this game, because he dropped the ball <laughs> about three times in a row. This is it. So this is the really interesting point. That so it's a pretty strong Irish team to kind of segue onto that. 
that we've got Tommy Bow starting, back through of him, Keith Earls, who is, of course, Ireland's all-time leading World Cup try scorer. Jordan Murphy in at fullback, O'Driscoll and Darcy in the centres, and then, completing the back line, is the young, inexperienced halfback combination of Jonathan Sexton and Connor Murray. Because this was Connor Murray's third cap. Yeah, and I can remember thinking it was kind of weird that they selected him to go to the World Cup. And then he comes into this game, you think, oh, okay, it's fair enough, playing against the USA, they can trust this maybe third-choice scrum half to come in. And then he just got higher and higher up the pecking order for Ireland as the tournament went on. Well, I thought about that. I wondered that. And then they had a moment in which Alan Quinlan on the commentary said, well, you know, uh, I think today Conor Murray's really pushed Owen Redden and Isaac Boss to the yeah. shirt. <laughs> he kind of was like, oh, that's why he started. <laughs> that's why they threw in this third cap. Because those were the other two scrum halves for it. <laughs> Mind you, they, they had they had Rog on the on the bench as well. Yeah, and obviously that 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 was you know have, having Conor Murray and Sexton start as opposed to having some experience in Ogara. But I I made a note of it when I saw it, and it was it was quite immediate from as soon as Ireland has the ball is that nine and ten were not going to be involved in the the attack at all. It was get it straight out to Darcy and Bod. And let them control it. Like they, yeah. they, it wasn't because Conor Murray was this fresh new, I mean, he was a fresh new sort of face and a fresh new talent for Ireland, but obviously the, the, the trust in him that was instilled over the years wasn't there yet. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got that 10, that, sorry, that 12, 13 of, of Darcy and Bod, hmm. it's just, you know, you're the new guys, get it to them and, you know, just, just let them handle it, I suppose. There's a moment quite early on as well where Conor Murray goes to take a quick tap and has to be pulled back. And he kind of goes, who, who yes. are you? When did that yeah. happen now of you? Like, what? This isn't the Conor Murray I came to know. What's going on? And yeah, likewise, he's been hanging Sexton. out with Owen Redden too much. Yeah. Likewise, Sexton as well. Like, there's a... I don't know if any of you spotted Sexton joined the national anthems. No. No. I thought the anthems were kind of fascinating. Firstly, the, yeah. the most interesting point in the national anthem is Tim Usaz the USA's replacement scrum half, who turns, the rest of the, the team are kind of stood in line, he turns to face the USA flag they have out in mm. the middle, and then kind of stands there, and he's kind of jug, like juttering up and down, kind of really excited and hyped up, and very much ready to, to go and to scream, and he then starts, and you briefly hear him sing when the, the camera passes by him, horrendously out of tune. It's great. <laughs> I was really I've, into like, I've his sheer energy. I've got to say, I think that USA anthem was the best anthem we've heard all tournaments so far. <laughs> the players and the crowd. I thought it sounded brilliant. Yeah. They also have that kind of unique thing of being the one team who they all stand with their, their hand on their heart rather than yes. round each other's shoulders, which I like that. Yeah. I'm all for that. Uh, but no, Sexton didn't sing the anthem, didn't sound interested, didn't do any of it. And he just kind of sat there and the camera was on him when the anthem finished. And he kind of had this look on his face like... Like, it was the look you had... Like, he looked like he was going to cry, but not in the way where most players sing the anthem, they look so proud, they're going to burst, they're going to cry. Jonathan Sexton instead looked like his mum had just told me he couldn't play on his PlayStation that weekend. <laughs> He's going to cry because of that. He just looked slightly pissed off, and he was really upset about it. It makes a change for Sexton to be slightly pissed off, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's some like things him, to come. Yeah. So I mentioned as well... Yeah, Tommy Bow as well, having mentioned the Irish the Irish team. Tommy Bow had one of the worst halves of his career. And yet, he because he's Tommy Bow, goes on to score two tries. <laughs> yeah. And he still looked gorgeous while dropping the ball. So he's Tommy Bow. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. The, the ball was repelled by him. The ball got really anxious about him. Yeah. <laughs> he got near and was like, I can't handle this. I can't do this. Maybe that's why Sexton was crying, because he was just like, Tommy Bow's over there, and I'm such a big fan. And he was just <laughs> shaking and sweating out of his eyes. To then look at the USA team on the other side, we have Blaine Scully at fullback. Pause for applause. Yeah, oh. I mean, it's 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 possible that if, if you know, if cause Chris Wiles is injured for this match. Mm. Yeah. So they, they brought in James Patterson for the, uh, on, the, on the wing, and obviously they had, they had Scully at fullback. I was just thinking, if 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 Wiles was available for that game, would would Scully have gone on to be, mm. you know, Blaine Scully? Probably, but you know, I like to imagine these kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. would have been slightly less handsome if Wiles played this game. 
Maybe. Wiles came back for the following game and Scully came off the bench. And obviously it was after this tournament that he signed for Tigers, Scully, and then from there for the Blues. Mm. I think that's a good question. Of You know, there's like a sliding doors moment. Only Chris Wilde gets trapped in the doors. Yeah, and Scully, I think, did play well in this game. Largely mm. thanks to my favourite player, Roland Sanula, just not wanting to take any kicking duties or anything. And Scully, <laughs> like, I find that so weird, seeing Scully being the person who goes to the corner and everything, taking the 22 dropouts and stuff. Because I never thought mm. of him as a player who did that. Yeah, all that responsibility was on him, and I think he dealt with it very well on the whole. A huge boot on him as well, which you kind of forget. Should we mention as well, you just mentioned, one Mr. James Patterson on the wing for the USA, who was a, an, bizarrely, an author in his 60s at the time, who somehow, having written <laughs> loads of books for women about, like, like for housewives, about, like, books in which uh, a a woman with red painted nails goes and uh like solves a murder or or that i've never i've never read a james patterson novel um, <laughs> i can tell but, I, but, I've, <laughs> but i've been to airports and therefore i have seen them on sale i will touch on james patterson for a little bit because i remember that recently you brought him up to me and i didn't remember mm. him whatsoever I don't remember the name yeah. or anything you haven't read and the second club no, I haven't. But then the second he stepped up to take his first kick, I kind of vaguely thought, oh, I can kind of remember a U- the USA having a winger mm. to kick their goals who wasn't that good. And the thing that struck me most about him was he kicked a penalty with his gum shield half hanging out of his mouth. Yes, what, what was that? Surely what? that's more distracting than having it just sort of fully in or, you know, in yeah. your sock or whatever. He was sort of balancing it on his bottom row of teeth or whatever he was doing, hanging out the side of his mouth. I was thinking, like, mate, come on. Yeah, and he ran back into his own half with it still in that position. And I, I couldn't get my head around, like, do you not want to just come off once you've done that? Do you, does that not stay in your head for the rest of the time? Like, loads of people on television have just seen me with a gumshield half hanging out my mouth. I can't do this anymore. That's bizarre. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. I just noticed, like, so the thing I looked him up as well, because I remembered him a bit, but he was an outright winger. He didn't play fullback, and yet he was a goal kicker, which threw me. I that mean, never happens. Goal, goal kicker is is very uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Very loose term when referring to him, but yeah, I did find it funny that first penalty he lined up, and I can, as I say, like I vaguely thought, oh, I can kind of remember, yeah, this winger who kicks goals, and mm. how far he missed that to the right hand side. It was yes. nowhere near. He was closer to the corner flag than he was to the posts. Do you want to be fair to him? Sorry, sorry. I just no. in any other game that that kick would be sort of memorable, like the um, Chris Patterson Scotland. Yes. That, you know, that's that sort of kick. True. But in this game, there were so many terrible kicks. I mean, Rog had a very similar one. I mm. think, uh, in the second half, you know, that was just miles off, and it made no sense because when you when you've got a, a team that had Johnny Sexton and Ronan Nagara in the same one, and the kicks were just missing all over the place, yeah. it was a very odd experience. Yeah, and Sexton missed one Sexton. between the posts as well from about yeah. thirty odd yards. Did, yeah, out. yeah. Sexton had a he, rubbish game, I thought. He missed his first and, two shots. He yeah, also he got had two from six. There were three moments in which he went to run like a little scissors switch thing, and. On every occasion, all the defenders have been drawn into the guy he was going to throw the, the scissors to. And on two of them, he noticed this, noticed there was space wide, and then didn't give the pass anyway. And he just kind of mm. like, no, you've just you've deliberately hamstrung your team. You could have passed to someone that isn't being marked. Instead, you passed to someone that's marked by three people. Yeah, he had no Another decoys off him or anything. As well, in the first half, where Ireland had the ball and they kind of chuck it out to Sexton. And I remember looking, and the USA defenders really narrow and there's no one for Ireland right out on the wing I just think why don't you just have someone go and stand over there where there's no defenders and throw them the ball and yet they didn't there was no thought of that and t- to be fair to the USA I, w- I was really sort of focusing on on them for this because you know they're the sort of less known quantity of the two yeah and they they've really struck me as a team that did their homework so well just for this one match, yeah. it felt. I felt like they their entire thing was based around Ireland. What they were going to do with it? They always had about three men marking Bod at once, at any sort of point, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. And they, they they seemed to be able to react so quickly to everything. And obviously, their their tackle dominance was insane for that game. 
yeah. for being you know a, a, a bunch of semi pros they they were you know making so many massive hits on on you know big irish guys as well mm. you know it wasn't exact it wasn't a small irish pack as well that was <laughs> that, that that came out you know for that match and no not at all and and they were uh, they they really put their weight into it and and it like I say it wasn't just the the force of the hits but the the, the knowledge to sort of know where to go with it and and who to mark really stuck out to me now, i think to say that the conditions were pretty horrible and the Irish pack were bullying them for most of the time. I think you're right that the USA were really accurate in defence and their, like, their kick chase was outstanding, I thought. Even though they didn't bring much an attack, I think that they did well to stop Ireland at source, even if they had a good yeah. platform. Mm. Mm. And I think some of that comes from the fact that the USA's coach for this tournament was Eddie O'Sullivan, who had been Ireland's yes. coach at the previous <laughs> World Cup. And it kind of just migrated across. I, I noticed as well, because um, 2011 was, was sort of famous for with Ireland at least for them sort of bringing the they were the mauling team you know they 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 mauled from anywhere um for any reason i noticed you know there were a couple of occasions where they did sort of monster the the american pack you know as as they would but yeah. there were a couple of occasions when and i'll mention this with with the ref because he seemed to just completely because it was Joubert, wasn't it yes Joubert. and he seemed to just about 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 i'd say 80 percent of what was happening in the match he just decided to just ignore and let happen <laughs> you know especially with the more defense for the usa There's... but again i think that was down to them doing their homework they knew what the ref yeah. was looking for and they would just they, they'd take it only where they could they'd lie on the ground grab legs coming from the side and i think maybe Joubert called it out once for someone yeah. coming in the side but the rest of the time it worked perfectly and it stopped this Irish mall, and uh, I thought it was brilliant. There was one hilarious moment where the USA played the Irish halfback three phases in a row, and Joubert chose to not penalise it, <laughs> and the USA got the turnover off the back of it in the second half. There's one ruck about five metres out from the USA's own line, and the USA player enters completely from the Irish side and clears one of the mm. players out on the as though he was wearing a green shirt. It's the most not-through-the-gate thing I've ever seen, not by Richie McCaw. And yeah, they completely <laughs> get away with it. And it's almost like just the audacity of him coming in at Scrum Arthur Island that you're kind of like, oh, fair enough. You know, you might as well let that go. I think I think most of it came from, from Todd Clever, who was just sort yeah. of this man who, he likes hitting things and he likes picking, he likes taking the ball off the ground. And they sort of put him onto this rugby pitch. And I don't know, something about him, the confidence in which he does every little thing that he does mm. somehow is it's that kind of classic flanker way of, of being able to sort of get past the rules even though he wasn't the best at what he was doing the fact that he, he went in it with such gusto that it just felt like oh well of course he can do that he's he's doing it you know <laughs> he's it's it's uh, he, the, the amount of times he was on like his elbows at the ruck and flopping everywhere and and you know the high tackles were were quite common and and just I suppose high in our terms now, but maybe not wouldn't have seen so high at the time, but still quite up there. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love that kind of very American sort of brashness yeah. that they went into the game with. But he was exactly the player you'd think he was by looking at his hair. Like yes. He, he played <laughs> with the confidence of someone who walked around every day with that haircut. Also, to touch on great bits of punditry, Lawrence Delario saying... Oh well, um, Todd Todd Cleaver, he's uh, he's played in South Africa and therefore he knows about the physical side of rugby. Yes, <laughs> it's really taken him. It's it's taken him a trip to South Africa to realise that he's not playing touch rugby when he goes to the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> there was that very when they asked Alalio about the stuff during before and during half time and then after the game. He was very, I've heard of three of these players and I'm going to talk about them as much as I can. <laughs> I'm not doing my research. Into, into, I didn't mention my stat on James Patterson. Do you want to know it? Yes, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, Do yeah. Do you want to know his career goal-kicking success rate? Okay? Is it above 50? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> you didn't know that thing about that uh, rugby league sketch about uh, Australia playing Russia. The yeah. Russian kicker misses between the posts and he says, it was the best kicker in the whole of Russia and I can't believe he missed. Is it that, that kind of situation? <laughs> so, James Patterson won 12 caps for the USA, okay? You saw in that game both of the kicks he nailed. 
career. <laughs> <laughs> he, so he missed two in that game. He went on to take four more shots at goal for the USA and missed all of them. So, so he was he was the designated goal kicker, not from the bench, but from 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 kickoff, having yeah. not kicked a goal for the Eagles. No, <laughs> no, having eaten. A, amazing. Haven't that's brilliant. I love them. that. That's went, that, that's. It'll do. That's perfect semi-pro international rugby team. That's exactly what I want to hear yes. from a World Cup. As is customary for all rugby clubs anywhere around the world, every warm-up ever is people doing drop goals from 40 metres. Mm-hmm. you think James Padson was always the person who stood underneath the post and booted the ball back? And I just thought, <laughs> oh, he's probably fine. Get him the goal yeah. kick, he'll be fine. He's the guy, he's the winger who always fancied himself as a kicker and turned up five minutes early to practice his kicking but was not actually any good under pressure. And starts <laughs> crying when people says he can't yeah. kick. So he's like, he's going to kick this time. He'd always kind of go like, oh, actually, we've got free kicking options on our team. And everyone just kind of humoured him. And then one day, <laughs> it came to that occasion, and he had to step up. And also because it's only Wiles injured, isn't it? He's the only player missing from that team. And I know he did kick goals yeah. well, Chris Wiles. But was he their only goal kicker? If you're resulting in a guy who'd never kicked a goal before and never kicked a goal again in your team. As I say, Roland Sanula wasn't exactly thirsty to take all responsibility, was he? And I'm, I'm not no. sure if Andrew For literally anything. <laughs> not, not, just, not just goal kicking. Yeah. I noticed Andrew Sanula played, but I didn't notice Roland at all. No. It sort of got me thinking that it's, it's, it's quite sad because you look at that 2011 US team and the names in it, some of them are like, genuinely great players like Paul Emmerich who hmm. who I think I, I've noted here that he pretty much outshone Bod for most of the game like whenever they had a there were a couple of occasions when he maybe got pushed back when you know Darcy came in with him but for the, most of the game attack and defense Emmerich was was over him he was he was hmm. pushing past him he was breaking he was breaking past him he was you know it, it was a brilliant performance and I was just thinking how how they had some great players in 2011 and they've got some yeah. great players now, you know. If they if they had ten like McGinty or something like that, yeah. And and if 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 those sort of teams had overlapped just a little bit, you know, yeah. they might have had some really good scalps. But yeah. it's 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 just they've had the wrong players at the wrong time, I think. And it's it's maybe yeah. now that'll change with MLR. But it 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 did sort of strike me a little bit that they they seem to have sort of missed each other a little bit. It is a real shame that the likes of Paul Emmerich, as you mentioned, and a few that like Mike Petrie as well at Scrum Off, I thought was yes. really good. He had a really good yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I remembered him being this kind of like being the USA Scrum Off, being this entirely solid nine, and he was excellent. He's got his box yeah. kicking was fantastic, was and his making yeah. was really good. He, he did was, one really good one in the first half, particularly for yeah. Nguyen to chase, and Nguyen yes. didn't really see a lot mm. of the ball as probably other than Clever, probably the most famous player in this team, and yeah. because mainly because of that time he skinned Havana. But, One of the two players Lawrence Delaney had heard of, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by half-time, he'd heard of Emmerich. Yeah. I bet he knew more of the random pretty girls with USA flags on their, on their face in the crowd <laughs> than he did the extra team on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. He probably paid yeah. a few of them. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, it's not like the names in this USA team are hard to remember, given you've got Mike McDonald and John van der Geisen and Marte Moiakiola, which, albeit... That one I can forgive him. <laughs> I love Mike McDonald because yeah. he he clearly he was like a proper third team prop because he was just a big fat bloke from Leeds and he kind of he had a little moustache and he loved kind of running with the ball. He couldn't scrummage anymore because at this point he was like thirty eight. In the and, teams, he's a good lad. Yeah, exactly. And because he's played for Leeds for years and he played in the Premiership and he'd kind of been at a high standard his entire career. And yet he had completely run out. Like that first scrum, the way Ireland just blew them off oh, the yeah. ball completely mm, was incredible. Yeah. It was like watching the Springboks in the last World Cup final. Only it was, it, it, it wasn't that. And you know, Mike <laughs> McDonald wasn't bothered in the scrum, but he was a good lad and he had a moustache. So fair enough, crack on. Yeah. I remember writing, I, I, as, as, as that happened, I was writing scrums in 2011 were a mess. We can't complain now. And then looked up and saw that was happening. I thought, oh, well, shit, you know, they've just ruined that. <laughs> that, was, that was such a good, like, uh, but no, for the, I, I think as a rule, generally, God, there were yeah. so many, I know the conditions weren't great, but the resets were so painful. I and know. compared to now, it's, it's a lot better now than it was. Yeah. 
I found that over the whole thing is that actually, yes, we do have a lot of resets now, especially if you compare it to seventies rugby, but it's so much better than it was 10 years ago. And the standards yeah. are I think so much higher as well. Mm. I think actually a lot less is let go with the breakdown and the breakdown is a far fairer contest than it was. And in some ways, maybe if you're a flanky, you don't think that's a good thing, but actually I think it's, the game is far more level and better refereed these days. Yeah, no, agreed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I've touched upon some of the names of the American players. And when it came to doing some research on... USA Rugby is a general thing. I've devised a quiz for the two of you to partake in. Okay. So I'm about to list the names of six things, and I want you okay. to tell me whether it's a rugby ground in the USA or a song by New York indie rock band Vampire Weekend. <laughs> All right, okay. Right. Okay. Are we working against each other on this one, or is this teamwork? Work against each other. See if you can. Okay. Okay. You know, see if okay. you can win. Okay. So number one is Ray Shear and Treasure Island. What do we think? Um, I'm going to say that's a club. I want to begin by making it clear that I am confused that there's a band called Vampire Weekend. That was actually what I was used to be doing this week, if not for lockdown. But alas, no. I think it's a song by Vampire Weekend. Adam? Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the uh, club. Okay. Ray Shear and Treasure Island is a rugby ground in the USA, so it's 1 0 to you, Adam. Okay, number two. Number two. Cape Cod Quassa Quassa. <laughs> what? Is that a rugby no, ground no, in the no, USA? No, 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 no. That's Fozzie Bear having a stroke. <laughs> I think that's a rugby ground in um, the USA. God. All right. Um, I don't know. What, Cape, that, that, Cape that's Cod be... Quassa Quassa. Yeah, that that that's a, that's a stupid Vampire Weekend song. It is a stupid Vampire Weekend song. Yes. Well done. That's two 0 Number three, <laughs> Harmony Hall. That's a Vampire Weekend song. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go opposite again. I'm gonna go for the the club ground. It's it's a, it's a Vampire Weekend song. Oh, so it's two. I said that with a certainty, as though I knew that. I did yeah. not. <laughs> Infinity Park. Uh, that's a. Ah uh, yes. That's a rugby ground. I'm yes, sure yeah, yeah. Played the no, not the All Blacks. That was Audrey Field. They played someone there, I'm sure. Isn't it? That, right? That's um, is that the one in Colorado? That sounds about right. Yeah, I've definitely watched a rugby match from Infinity Park. I think the Avengers <laughs> were playing. Okay, points all round for that. Then you're both right. So that's three two to Adam still. Uh, number five, the penultimate okay, one okay. is Upward Star. Hmm. The Vampire Weekend. I'm gonna say Vampire Weekend. You're both wrong. It's a USA oh. rugby ground. <laughs> God. Is that in Texas or something? <laughs> they love their stars in Texas. I... Finally, number six, yeah. M79 Campus. Okay. Is that a Vampire Weekend song or a USA rugby ground? I'm going to say a Vampire Weekend song. Yeah, I'm going to say Vampire Weekend. You're both right. It's a combination of two Vampire Weekend songs. So, Adam, you're All the right. winner. That's... You are the winner oh, of this game. brilliant. I don't have a prize prepared for you. Maybe we'll, we'll organise a meet and greet with either Todd Clever or Vampire Weekend. I don't know. Maybe maybe we could have <laughs> some kind of Vampire Weekend concert at a rugby ground in the USA. Yes. <laughs> now we're talking. Anyway, that was a complete aside. Should we get back to the game of rugby? Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Actually, we... speaking of a slight aside, I wanted to know if, you, if, if either of you noticed anything. 
you know in the second half when the players have come out and they're sort of milling around on the field for the adverts to end and you know they're um, yeah. sort of filming the players sort of standing there they had a sort of lingering shot on Brian Driscoll and mm-hmm. he had a really big burp like it was a <laughs> massive one and you could see it it was building up in his you could see his sort of his, his, his body changing like it was building up in his stomach <laughs> and then he just had this big sort of exhalation and I was like B in BOD stands for <laughs> and I just thought that's one of the most incredible physical depictions of a burp I've ever seen without actually having heard it. <laughs> you can't do anything. Yeah, I thought, you know, what a genius that guy is. <laughs> it's like a 90s Ben Stiller movie. <laughs> it makes you wonder, of all like the great tries you watch over and over again on YouTube, on how many of them do you think the try scorer farted? Oh, see, I reckon this happens surprisingly often. Yeah. I reckon there's a lot of, like... Even further than just farting, I think there's a lot of like a little bit of shit came out happening on international rugby fields. Oh, if if Lineker can do it in a football match, then I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. there's every chance it's happened in rugby. The clip of Jerry Collins going and pissing on the side of the pitch. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, and like, just because he doesn't give a shit. I, ironically, he gives a piss, but he doesn't give a shit. Nice. He just walks over the corner flag, wheeze on it, and walks back to the scrum. Hey, do you want to know somebody else? who is shit. This is not a good segue. Are you, are you going to throw into the Sonyula brothers? We can talk about the Sonyula brothers. Sure. Sure. Let's talk, well, particularly Andrew Sonyula. First thing I want to address is the, that, that, wet, that one phase of play that the USA had, where firstly, he popped up at 10 about two yards out, like width-wise from the ruck yeah. itself just so he could say he had the ball again in the sort of be a pro kind of way to set up a pod forwards yeah. which the scrum off could have just passed to himself and he picked out the wrong man in the pod of forwards <laughs> and then he threw through the legs pass at that phase when he went into ruck which mm. Mike Petrie then did like a weird backhand flick thing and then Blaine Scully started running backwards which was one of the most terrible bits of play I've ever seen from the team <laughs> in like the World Cup but the main thing about Sanula that I wanted to talk about was okay. his box kick before the Rory Best yes. try, which goes back. Yes. <laughs> yes, or in fact, no. Because it is, it, the thing it reminds me of is the Tim Nally Williams box kick in the last World Cup, where yeah. Tim Nally Williams had gone from being Samoa's best player in the previous World Cup and having a good game in their opening match to them being so overconfident in the next three games that he's trying to take box kicks and he's trying to do everything. He's in full Parise mode. And it does not go well for him. And Sanyula has exactly that same moment. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he does other than start five. Without having played well previously. Yes. <laughs> just he just <laughs> Yeah, if you're gonna step in and take the ninth position and box kick yourself, you better be already on two tries or two assists or something. So the the coach can look down and go, Yeah, oh, it's fine, he's having a good game anyway. You know, let's not bring him off and bring on Nessie Malifa. <laughs> So we've we've we sort of touched on Tommy Bow mm. and and his 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 first I like half. To touch on Tommy Bow. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. No, that makes sense. He'd probably drop you though. <laughs> I, I mean that that. He, I wouldn't blame uh, if he did drop me if I came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like you say, we, we we sort of said made a bit of fun about how he didn't have the best first half, but um, he did score two tries, and I I, I sort of had a look at sort of how they came about because the USA defense was so solid in open play you know how how island did that and most of it from what i could see came from bod watching from the usa uh. because they, they'd they marked him really well and I, I think i think it was yeah the, the first one was an inside pass to tommy bow from sexton and you can see there's about three of the usa players all looking at the center channel they're not looking at the nine and ten channel at all because they've been doing nothing all game they've just been shoveling it out doing whatever and uh, so, of course, because that that channel hadn't been touched by Ireland all game, they weren't expecting that gap to be there. Mm. Tommy Bow just runs right through. Of course, the only person that can really catch him on the USA side is Nguyenia, and he's halfway across the pitch. So that was that was a given. And the second one as well was another bit of bod watching, but in a different way. In that he was out on the wing for Bow's second try in the second half, and. The panic in the US once they realised that he had the ball in space on the wing. Yeah. They just completely flooded towards him and it ended up with, there's, 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 
the, the USA have guys they're covering, but Blaine Scully, bless him, he stood there with Brian O'Driscoll and Tommy Bow in front of him. Tommy Bow running a supporting line, and he doesn't know what to do. You know, whatever decision he takes, you can already tell in his mind it's going to be the wrong one because one of these guys is going to score. So he just doesn't do anything. And, you know, as as is quite typical of, of Blaine in that match, he just runs backwards. And it was it was quite sort of thing in that they, they were so, despite how solid they were, mm. they were so terrified of, of Brian O'Driscoll yeah. that that they they completely let that defense collapse for that try purely because of him i just thought it was really interesting yeah it it felt a lot like that didn't it you as you say there was a lot of bod watching and you didn't notice that much of him other than the, the second tommy bow try which is all him and he just kind of mm. you know, makes the break and then gives it back inside the bow but yeah as it's a lot of that is them marking him really solidly a lot of that is Sexton and Darcy just kind of shipping it on rather than there actually being any kind of shape yes. of creativity yeah, in the yeah. back line. Like it was, I was really struck by how poor their attack was. And actually there was, their defence was quite well organised, but there was no line speed whatsoever. They didn't even really walk up. Yeah, They just kind of stood still on the game line. Like maybe they jitted forward a little bit. And they had such a good platform that you'd think they'd create something of it. Of course, there was like a two or three brief minutes stint where they managed to make a couple of line breaks on the trot. You thought, oh, okay, this would be it then. They've just been mm-hmm. kind of patiently waiting for the USA line to carve up. But from there on, there was no real momentum sort of made. Right. And they didn't get a bonus point in the end, which didn't matter that much, I suppose. But yeah, I also don't think they played like the conditions well whatsoever. No, until Ogara came on. Yes. Until Ogara mm. came on, and it was it was a game custom made for Ronan Ogara. I think Quinlan said that in the commentary. And he comes on, he just dinks it into the corner twice, and like, oh, okay, this is this is what we should have been doing the whole time. It was a game for yeah. Rog. Yeah, Sexton's not a man known for his patience, is he? No, no, he's a man of many talents, but none of them patience. Yeah, I was going to say it must be interesting from someone like from Rog's position to be a player like him, and just be known for being like when a game is really shit. <laughs> that's when that, to be that guy you know who you want to come on and just shovel it yeah you know and there's the stuff he's talked about in as a coach he said that he wants to be a far more rounded coach than he ever was a player and he <laughs> recognized his shortcomings as a player but he knew i'm oh. very very good at this and this is why i am picked this is what i picked to do and this is what i do better than basically anyone else maybe other than dan parks on a good day isn't he a defence coach somewhere now? Oh, he has been. He's been a defence coach, attack coach. He kind of... I know he said his ultimate job is to be monster to head coach. And he wants to work towards that, but he doesn't feel he's worthy yet. Right. So he constantly just keeps shifting around hemispheres. and I think it's a really interesting approach to kind mm. of building yeah. a CV and to becoming a better coach. I think he's actually doing really interesting things pretty consistently mm. as a coach. In a way, he didn't as a player. He just dinked it into the corners behind. Yeah, yeah. And fell play to him. And scored winning mm. drop goals as like a hobby. Yeah, that was just what he did on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, literally on the weekends because they played on Saturdays. So the the thing that I was I was going to mention a moment ago with Ireland's defense having absolutely no line speed whatsoever. There's one moment in which I in which the USA run this really interesting backs move in which the scrum half passes into a pod of four forwards who then pass it out to him back to the scrum half who's looped around them. The scrum then throws it on to 12, who does like a pass back into 10 inside him, then passes to the winger, who's kind of hitting a line. And if they'd run that nowadays, it would have worked. But because Ireland had absolutely no line speed, they just sat, let them do this complicated passing move, and then ran straight into, I think it was Patterson or Nguyenia, whichever one it was. Might have been yeah, Emmerich even. It was Whereas Nguyenia. if they'd done it now, yeah. If they'd done it now, that would have put Nguyenia for a hole, because people would have been drawn to it, and it'd actually be line speed to the thing. Whereas instead, it was just kind of weighted around slightly dull and bored. Yeah, yes and no, because the thing is, mm-hmm. the way that they had lined up, that move would have been great if their like, intention was to go wide. But I feel like a variation of that move mm. would be really good today if sort of the outside yeah. centre ran a bit yeah. tighter and it was just sort of a, a very short little lifted no-look pop for Nguyenia on the right-hand side. That would have worked if they did it so much yeah. tighter to the line. As you say, like line speed is a big part of it. If the defence is in your face, then almost it's almost easier yeah. to find the small gaps and get somebody to, to run through them when they're 
that flats the line. But I think you're right that a tightened variation of that to sort of go around this brand new concept of line speed would have worked today. But I just think that the way in which yeah. the USA used a variation of with long push passes didn't work and would never mm. have worked. And I, I did also think that most championship defenses these days would eat those two attacks alive. Yeah. Like, they had so many backs just stood there. And that there's one moment with Anderson Euler in particular, in which he ca- there's a few times, every time he catches the ball, you can see him thinking before he makes a decision. He doesn't do anything on instinct. He clearly stops, weighs it up, and then makes a decision. And like, he then didn't do that when he came into box kick. But he did otherwise. He kind of clearly set up, and there's a moment in which he kind of stops. He pauses for like three seconds while he looks on either side. He kind of goes, that guy... And then he passes it, and he does it even slower than I just described it. And a modern defence would eat that. And yeah, that actually got outside the Highland defence, despite how how slowly he made the decision. Again, credit to Paul Emmerich for going mm. forward, despite having two Sunula brothers inside <laughs> I This won't be the last time I rip into the Sunula brothers, by the way, because for some reason I just have this irrational, every time I see them play, I think, oh, these guys again, sort of thing. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, what what Robbie was saying earlier about the fact that 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 the backline move that would have worked today. Yeah, mm. I was thinking about sort of the the way how solid the USA were, mm. you know, despite having two Suniolas on the team, and they they don't have that today, and they haven't had that kind of solid team. I don't know how to describe it, but they the the, the way they were defending, and of course the, the sort of structure they had was like. Oh, that's not how the USA normally play. At least how I how we see them today. Yeah. They're usually quite they're, they're quite a floppy team, in that they, you know, they they very much let the momentum of the game carry them, and they, you know, they're very sort of broken up and, and a bit sort of disconnected. I thought, oh god, they look like a proper team here, and this, they're they're mm-hmm. half semi pros. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like that that kind of obviously that's all coaching at that yeah. point. Yeah. If they had that today. You know, it would, it would, it would be so much better because they, you know, all the coaching changes they've had over recent years and all the regime changes at USA Rugby with the different leagues and everything they've had, they still haven't had that team solidity that they need that they, that they had in 2011. Even when they pulled up big results, even when they've beaten Samoa or they've beaten uh, Scotland, most notably, it's been really loose games. And when mm. like, you look at the that Scotland game, you know, it was a really high-scoring game. They won it right at the end. It was 30-plus points on both sides. You look at the two wins over Samoa, and both of them, they won it in the last play with a late kick. And the one last year in particular, they should have put that game to bed. And they've always been mm. a team a bit like that, even when they've been playing well. They've always either let in soft tries along the way, or they've not quite clicked in the way they could and they've not dominated games that they could have been able to they've just scraped home in games where they could have really run away with it except against Canada which is kind of the one time where they have that kind of well lately anyway have had that kind of superiority complex and they've had that belief in themselves that we are the better of these two teams and I Mm. think that's quite interesting maybe it's just because it's such a if you're a rugby player in the US it's such a minority sport you're kind of always up against it it's hard to breed that kind of confidence. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe MLR would really help that as well because you have players coming from winning cultures. I don't know. Yeah, it just, it just struck me that even though they did lose, obviously, to Ireland, that hmm. outside of the set piece, they were dominant. Yeah. They, they, they looked like the more structured team. They looked like they had more of an idea of what was going on in open play. And I just thought, you know, yeah. if, even if a USA team that won today wouldn't have that kind of look to them, they, yeah. they just sort of, it would just happen to them. Yeah. And it's and, weird because there's quite a contrast because they look mostly shapeless sort of in phase attack mm. and even like at rope time. But as you say, like as soon as they got to open play, they actually looked relatively organised and like there was a decent bit of trust among the players despite yeah. the Sunula brothers. So yeah. yeah, I think there's that probably speaks volumes of, I guess, the coaching, as you say. Yeah. And I... <sighs> I, I do think MLR is like a really interesting point, and I want to see how it continues to develop for them. Because uh, we've already seen like it was huge for Uruguay last year in that they were able to get ten players into MLR in pro contracts, and that should be the same case with the USA. But they weren't quite together 
in the way I kind of, frankly, I thought the USA would be better than they were in that World Cup. And they were kind of the team I was tipping. It's like, watch these guys. They they could cause an mm. upset. Agreed. And yeah. they had a good 50-odd minutes against France. And that was about it, which was a shame. Because I do think they've got more performances like like we kind of saw here, where Ireland's two tries, they were, you know, Tommy a Tommy Bell try from like a Brian O'Driscoll bit of magic. You had a Roy Best try from Sonny Euler trying a box kick and then was going with them all. And then you had that Tommy Bell try right at the end of the first half when it was the only real period of possession that Ireland put together where they were threatening and they were kind of working through the phases and they were being patient. And then they had, you know, kind of one misread and Tommy Bell scores on the posts or just yeah. next to the post. And it was a, like, it's a really good finish by Tommy Bell. Like, it looks quite simple. But he's got two mm. men coming across. They could have easily stopped him. And he dives so early that he gets over so safely. And you kind of then have Mike Petrie punches the post in like a, a Zanin manner, which is fun. But yeah, like they were fairly standard. It's one misread, it's one maul, which was, as you say, set piece was the one area where they were kind of really up against it. And it's one Brian O'Driscoll moment, and otherwise they could have won or drawn that game. Yeah, and with that first Tommy Bow try, it do- you're right, it does look like very poor defence on that last phase from the USA mm. because they find Mike McDonald's marking Tommy Bow. Yes. And Tommy Bow, rather than just sort of taking the positive carry on that, managed to beat him cleanly in not a lot of space because Sexton That's- doesn't give him the greatest of service with that pass and you're right he managed to split the entire defense like that and as you say like he finishes it so early and doesn't give like the scramble defense any chance to get there i think a lot of wingers would have just taken a positive carry out of that yet tommy bow managed to make that five points which was very crucial because the big difference between 10 nil going in at half time to three nil absolutely yeah do we have any other points of business do we have anything else we want to throw up about specifics in the game not from me no. Should we, should we just can can we? I know it's, it's not really a tactical point no. in the game, but I just want to mention the fact that Paul Emmerich did score a try. Yes, yes it was in the last minute. Yes, it was you know completely once the game had gone, but it was it just sort of capped a ga- capped a game that was obviously really emotional for the USA because we didn't really discuss this at the start, but I I did make a note of it, mm. and it sort of took me surprise by surprise when I when I watched it that the game took place on the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. Yes, it did. And that that was a huge point in the in the in the build up to the game. It made the anthems a lot more emotional for the USA. Yeah. And you know, once the game had got going, and Ireland, you know, had built had built up the score, it was sort of you know forgotten about a little bit. And then when you know, there's just you've got that sight of Paul Emmerich running across the field. You know, there's no chance of anyone catching him. He's going in for the last minute. It, it's 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 a standout moment of the game for me, even though it was a completely lost cause. It was it was just nice to see. The payoff, I suppose, from the early emotion of the game to have you know the best player on their team just have a clear run to the line. It was it was quite nice to see. Absolutely, yeah. and he also he takes the intercept from Brian O'Driscoll, and he then yeah, runs to the post. And there's something was, magical about Darcy. that as well. Oh, um, you, had you? you had to ruin it, didn't you? You had to ruin it on the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. You had to ruin it. You undid all the good work they'd done over those ten years <laughs> to rebuild society. <laughs> Do you not remember that time that SNL allowed us to laugh again? Do you not remember how no one in America laughed between 9-11 and that SNL special going out two weeks later so bravely and boldly? I once watched a full 90-minute documentary on it. It was shit. (laughs) And it wasn't very funny, that thing. I can't believe that you undid the work of, like, Bill Murray or whoever was hosting SNL that week. I can't believe what you just did. What was the point you even made? Gordon Darcy... Gordon Darcy, an entirely good player. Why do you belittle him like that? I would like to apologise to my family, and um, I'd like to apologise to all my friends, both of them, and to anybody else who's listening, particularly the good citizens of the United States. There's, there's no need to show off that you've got two friends. I think we could all say with real certainty that, despite NSL's, you know, feeble attempt at bringing smile back to america it was really paul emmerich 10 years later <laughs> streaking streaking across a rainy field in uh, in new zealand that really you know brought the soul back into america forget freedom fries and you know the new world trade center paul emmerich made america great again he did he did <laughs> there were farmers at that moment somewhere in dallas that had no idea they weren't watching the game they've never even heard of us smiled and at that moment, they knew. They, thank you for ruining the punchline. Yeah, I was going to build up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, mate. 
they smiled. Yep, for the first time. What is this feeling? Why are my lips on an upward curve? But on a serious note, uh, as much as I do think Ireland were the better team... Because 9-11 isn't serious at all, is it? It's, uh... <laughs> I would like to once again apologise to my family and my now zero friends, yeah. first one, as well as the punchline and anyone else listening. But on a, on a really serious note, yes. Ireland deserved to win this game of rugby. The USA did deserve a try. And I think that was great seeing him stick his arm in the air and dive between the posts for a photo, which is still his Twitter profile picture. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I want to find this well, now that we've got to the actual real end of the game. Just have a moment to reflect on it, because we've... It isn't quite like the England-Argentina game, which was a real slog. Like, that was shite but this game also made me quite tired i did not enjoy this match watching it back yeah particularly the second half i was getting a bit sleepy during i haven't got any notes on one of the tries because i was just sad (laughs) and then i got back into it i think it i think it was the second try i think i think it was the fact that it's the the usa the box kick everything it's just sort of They've been doing so well, and it was just sort of like, oh, no, okay, this is the way it's going to go. But then I got back into it. You were saying a bit before we started as well about you having not watched rugby in a while, but the game that you got to watch was this game. <laughs> yeah, it was It was mixed feelings. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe I should have sort of... I don't know, if, if I had been, the, you know, been watching replays of all of Wales's greatest victories over the last 10 years, you know... All two of them, and just <laughs> you know, built myself up. Would that have made it worse? Probably. Yeah. I think the fact that this was the the only rugby full rugby match I'd seen in about two months made it a little bit better, but it was also a bit sad. Yeah, it's I'm looking that- forward to the next terrible game of 2011 that you want me to watch. Uh, what, 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 what was the What was the next absolute shit fest that uh, okay. you were planning to? So we've we've lined up already a guest for. Scotland 15, Georgia 6, which, (laughs) let me tell you, is an absolute classic. That's the next one I'm really dreading from the... We haven't got worked out the full schedule there. But, yeah, it it was not a a vintage game, this. And it was a bit like, as you said, what you just said in there reminds me of... You know, when you spend so long looking forward to the first game of the Six Nations every year, and so often... And it's always shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. I still so fondly remember that time, that first game was the France-Italy game where Parise went for a drop goal in the last minute to win it. Because that's the last time the first game of the Six Nations was properly great. Because every mm. time since then, at best, it's been a runaway game with loads of tries, like where's Italy this year? Where it's like, oh, there's two nice tries, that's fine. But so often it's just nothing, isn't it? Kelly mm. Haimona, of course, avoiding responsibility like a certain other 10 we've discussed today. <laughs> Also avoiding the ball in general. Yeah, Okay. exactly. If no one else has any points of order, I think this brings us to, and I realise now that I forgot to mention we do this to you, Adam, so I apologise. We'll give you an extra moment. We normally nominate at the end a man of the match and a dick of the day. And for me, today, I'll begin, because for me, it's Tommy Both. Because Tommy uh. Bow, Tommy Bow, I think is both. Uh, because I think he's he's clearly the today. There's a moment in which he drops a high ball from a 22 dropout, and he, in the process after dropping, he then picks it back up, goes to try and pass it to someone as though it'd gone backwards or whatever to pass it off. He then knocks it on, like just drops it in front of him. He then goes to try and pick it up, and he fumbles it forward, and that kind of summed up his first half. As did the fact that he scored two tries and was kind of the one. Island player that made a difference in terms of actual moments that mattered. That like he turned up and t- finished two chances when they had plenty that they blew. They had one that was Keith Earls, like made this really lovely break and then passed it back about like a straight 10 metres back into Tommy Bowe's shin, having like somehow weaved it between like five USA players that were all going for the intercept. Yeah, no, that that fumble was funny because he really tried to start that out as, yeah, this has gone backwards, right, sir? And he picks it back up as if he's just going to try and play on. And then it goes miles forward. And it's really just salt in the wounds. The other guy I kind of had in contention, just to quickly throw, is Mike Petrie, 
who I thought was very good for the USA, but it kind of fell. And again, Paul Emmerich as well, I thought had a good game. And Blaine Scully, solid. And Gwani didn't see much of the ball, but he made a couple of really good tackles. But it kind of felt like it's quite an obvious thing to give to the guy that scores two tries, but. Yeah. To- Tommy, Tommy, Thomas, Thomas Jumbo. Yeah, I've man of the match. I think for the USA, the one player that stood out a lot to me was Todd Clever because of the amount of hits he made and sort of they were all positive hits, as Adam was touching on earlier. I think that Tommy Bow, I've nominated for being gorgeous. Um, Donco Callahan, I think, was a perfectly functional set piece, which is yeah. one of the things that was best for Ireland. But I'm going to say Mike Ross because he dominated just... all the scrums and gave him a good platform. Sadly, they did nothing with it. Jamie Heathcliff also controlled very well at the back. But yeah, I'd say Mike Ross is my man of the match. Adam, how ready are you? Do you want me to fill more time by doing my dick of the day? Or um, Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> so, dick of the day. Well, I won't say any more about Sonula. <laughs> Bod for a few handling errors when, you know, he's supposed to be the best player in the world, mate. Like, what are you doing? Oh, Craig Joubert for the, there was one point in the second half where he saw somebody who was down injured with cramp. And he says to the players, no, 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 I'm not stopping for that. We need to play on. Despite the fact that the player was stood right next to the line out. And I think Ow. it was uh, Mike Petrie or Rolling Senior or something was down injured. And he was like, no, 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 we'll do that. And then one of the players pointed out like, no, 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 he's right next to us. And then eventually he did stop it, but he was very unwilling to do so in the first place. So he was a nomination, but no, I'll give it to Gordon Darcy for being the man who passed to Emmerich, who was stood directly there. Maybe he was doing it out of kindness. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna correct you. You're gonna give it to Brian O'Driscoll for throwing <laughs> the pass <laughs> to bloody Bill Murray or Will Ferrell who was blending SNL that week. Yeah, Uncle Sam. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. Have we got any thoughts? Man of the match. I mean, there's obviously I love Blaine Scully, but he was a very fresh-faced young man, and he did make a few mistakes in the first half despite a lovely break in the second half. I mean, I watched this game. The, the one thing that kept me going was Paul Emmerich, knowing that I'd get to watch him just absolutely have a great time out there, running over Brian O'Driscoll a number of times, <laughs> carrying him about five metres each one. I think it was just, uh, it was always going to be Paul Emmerich. Okay. Respect. Fantastic. And yeah. any nominations for Dick of the Day? Well, I mean, it was something that Will mentioned earlier in a very poignant point about the the US national anthem in the turning towards the flag. Yes. But it wasn't quite as I think as 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 dignified as he maybe made it out to be because when I can't remember who who would you say it was that that uh, turned Tim towards Usas. the flag? Tim Usas, yes. the replacement scrum half. Yeah. Yeah. And this sort of caused the players around him to also sort of join, yes, great idea. I'm going to face the flag. And then I don't know, someone must have shouted from the touchline or something like, no, you've got to face forward. This is what you do in rugby. This isn't the NFL, guys, you know, whatever. Like, you can't take a knee or whatever it is you do. <laughs> or not do. And yeah. and sort of half of them turned back, then, like, yeah. away from the flag, and then sort of back towards the crowd. And it's, it was very sort of uncomfortable. And it only ended up being about three or four players in the lineup then facing the flag. And... Yeah, so I'm going to go for the uh, US replacement scrum half for a well-intentioned but ultimately poorly executed show of patriotism uh, in the anthems. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I also want to mention, just on the Tim Usas point, that so Tim Usas at the time played for Nottingham, RFC in the Championship, and this meant that I get to continue and start a new tradition because over the course of this tournament, I've been counting every time that Nottingham born and bred commentator Martin Gilliam mentions Nottingham on knots in commentary and he mentioned it four times in New Zealand v Tonga and five times in what's his other game France, France v Japan, Japan. Yeah. yeah this time with a with a Nottingham based player playing the commentator who I believe was Simon Ward it wasn't yeah. Martin mm-hmm. Gilliam only mentioned Nottingham twice so at the moment after seven games we're at commentators who are Martin Gilliam mentioning Nottingham. Nine. Commentators who are not Martin Gilliam mentioning Nottingham. Two. I'm going to keep this count running over the course of the whole World Cup and see which side wins. I- I've got my money on one side rather than the other. I mean, not so the real winners of 2011, by the sounds of it. 
Absolutely. So, finally, before we go, Adam, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to mention? Where can people find you on the social medias and that? Oh, right, yeah. So, um, in, I think it was October, I made a tweet. If you want to go back and retweet that, because that was the only one that did any sort of, <laughs> any sort of action on Twitter, you know, feel free. But no, I mean, I, I do run the Dummy Runner account. I mean, run is a very generous way of describing it, but I guess walk it. You- you Maybe sort of, account. you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to try and sort of post on it a little. I always say that, but I mean, there's not a lot of rugby going on at the moment, if you hadn't noticed. So no. there's there's not a massive amount of things to draw on for for the account. What I could do is just retweet my Israel Falau article every day. <laughs> I like that, but you know. I feel like that would be giving him attention that he doesn't deserve, despite his arachnophobia. <laughs> the fact that Israel Palau is afraid of pig gay ants is still a phrase that delights me. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's uh, dummy underscore runner on Twitter. And the, the Israel Palau article on him saying he's afraid of spiders is very funny. Thank you. That means a lot coming from someone who has internet clout <laughs> okay anything else anything else before we call it a day i'll uh i'll always plug my uh my line break bros as well of course not not that we're really making anything at the moment not that we would be if there's any rugby on because we all have lives but no i mean we're, 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 we're sort of ma- <laughs> we're mainly based on twitter now mm. with a with a mad kind of multiple personality uh vibe considering there's about three people that regularly tweet kind of slightly differing opinions, which leads to some confusion. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd say give them a follow if you want, kind of, uh, you know, if 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 Karl Marx liked rugby, you'd love line break. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much spot. I've also got the point with it now as well, with the line break account, where I can tell who's tweeting most often just by the way it's written <laughs> and by how much it men- mentions Dan Fish and or Exeter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 the it's the tweets that mention Dan Fish and Exeter that really confuse people. I mean, I'd I'd love to do a podcast on Dan Fish, to be honest. And there's so many. Th- say, talk about. It's good that we've managed to pigeonhole Dan Fish's name into a World Cup podcast. I think we might as well stop here. I'm seven hours into doing this, and I haven't mentioned Tom Haberfield once. How's that happened? The all time, the greatest Welsh scrum half that never was, Tom Haberfield. Better than any scrum half who played in the 2011 World Cup. And I'll say that as a fact. Piri Weepu. <laughs> Will Gania. <laughs> Take that, Will Gania. Okay, I feel like we're, 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 we're about two minutes away from descending into utter rambling nonsense, which somehow suggests that's what the podcast hasn't been so far, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but frankly, it's a thing that I think means that I should stop sentences. So I want to say one final very much uh, there we are he just said goodbye our, f- our fourth <laughs> guest my fire alarm who is still peeping away I apologise as well if you can hear my neighbours playing bangers as well in the background they're having a great time in lockdown I've a few times heard them have friends over call the police <laughs> thank you for joining us Adam thank you for yeah, joining us ever brother person yeah it's alright <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a pleasure I mean, for the 80 minutes that I wasn't watching that game, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, if, if there's any other, I mean, I don't know if, if there's any, any, anything that doesn't have to be rugby related, anything that's really shit that you want me to sit through. <laughs> just actually, no, I have, haven't I? Haven't I, Robbie? I've got something really shit that I yes. want you to sit through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you as well, Will, if you if you, if you want to watch it as well. I mean, the description <laughs> is ambiguous. I don't know what to sign up for, but I think I'm in. I think you want to be in. Okay. You, you've hijacked this before I could even suggest we do a separate podcast watching Cats over and over again. Which I have, <laughs> which I have pre-ordered on Blu-ray, incidentally. I don't know if I'll be mentioning that publicly, but I am one of the six people that ordered cats on blu-ray what as i said we're descending already yeah rugby okay <laughs> is that that are we gonna i i've asked that enough times i'm just gonna call it i'm gonna say this is the end you're the boss here you, this is this is I your am, podcast 
Absolutely it is. And therefore, I say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop. We're not going to be the podcast, and therefore I won't be the boss anymore. Wait a second. This is how dictatorships happen. This This is like Donald Trump at the end of his second term, which is coming. When he suddenly starts appealing to re- to, to, to replace the two-term act. Fish 2020. Um, I just compare myself to Donald Trump. I think that's a good time to st- Dan Fish should be president. Let's, let's agree on that as a note to leave this. Thank you very much for listening right to the end. As ever, if you've got any thoughts on the game, please send them to Israel Folau and also send yeah. him pictures of big gay ants. <laughs> and hopefully he'll enjoy those. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Hashtag big gay ants, everyone. <laughs>